Good evening. Names are important to us, but they're also important to God. So much so, if you remember, he said not to take his name in vain. The name we typically think of when we think of God in the bigger picture, especially in the Old Testament, is the name Jehovah or Yahweh, depending on how you read and pronounce that. It describes his character, describes his nature. It tells us about who he is and how important it is. The month of December, we've looked at several names for God at a time when so many people are celebrating the birth of Christ as God is revealed. We focus on the birth of Jesus as if that is God revealing himself, as if he's been keeping himself obscure throughout all of uh, time until now when Jesus is born. And so it's this big revelation. But that's not true, really. God has been revealing himself to people since day one. Little by little, time and again, things about his nature, things about who he is, and sometimes there is a name involved with that. I want you to take your Bible out, or maybe your cell phone, your iPad, whatever you've got. The, the, the verses are not going to be on the screen. So you're going to need your Bible to follow along in our study. If you didn't bring one, there's a study guide in the back. You could grab one of those, and it's got the text in there, because we're going to go through Genesis chapter 22. And I want you to just follow along with us on this story. It's about Abraham and his son Isaac. Abraham is the son of, uh, I mean, the father of the Jewish nation, and he's put in a position that would be very easy to question whether or not God is going to provide for him. The name we're looking at today is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. God had promised Abraham that through him, God would make a great nation. But the problem is that after that promise, weeks turn to months, months turn to years, years turn to decades, and there's still no baby. There's no descendant. So how is there going to be a great nation when he doesn't even have a child? So here he is at the age of 100. Do you remember the story? Sarah is 90, still no children. Finally, God allows Sarah to become pregnant, to have this boy named Isaac. If there's ever a child who was anticipated... It's this one. And we might even say loved all the more. But then the story takes an unusual twist. And that's where I want us to pick up in Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, I know we're familiar with this story, and maybe so familiar we don't just really take it in. So I want us tonight to pause and let it sink in. Isn't that hard to believe that after all these years of waiting for this promised child, that God would make this request of him? If Abraham follows through, how then is God going to keep his word and honor his promise? But we know that God does come through. Now, as you read through Genesis 22, you notice that Abraham chooses not to mention this plan to Sarah. Have you noticed that? He doesn't say, you're never going to believe what God said now. The text doesn't tell us he said anything to her at all, except we're going on this three-day father-son campout, basically, is how he worded it to her. I don't know, maybe he told her. Maybe she knew all along. The text here doesn't say. It does say they head out with their servants. It also doesn't say what's going on through his mind. But in verse 4, it says, On this 50-mile journey to Mount Moriah, 
Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place at a distance. And my question is, and I've got several as I go through this chapter, did these hours on that three-day journey, did they drag on? You ever been on a trip where the time just drags on? You wonder how much further you are down the road, and you look up, and you, only five minutes have passed. It just drags on. Because he doesn't want to get there. He's not excited about arriving and accomplishing this. He doesn't want it to happen. I'm wondering what's going on in his mind. Look at verse 5. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. If you're the kind that likes to mark in your Bible, I want to encourage you to mark the word worship there because that's the first time that appears in our Bible. It's very interesting to me that in the context where Abraham uses the word worship, it's about to cost him an amazing sacrifice. So if you ever wonder about how to define worship, what does worship mean, you need to include in that definition that it costs you something. That's involved in worship. It costs you your time. This was a three-day travel one way just to arrive at this special place. And even today when we worship alone or maybe gather with the church, it's what you do. You're giving worth to God. You're giving your money to express how much you are committed to Him how much you believe that He's blessed you. You share your testimony with others. You use your talents to serve others. You take your time to be there. You're acknowledging on the first day of the week that God comes first. It costs you something. Abraham says, we will worship, and then we'll come back to you. So he leaves his servants with the donkey, and just his father and his son, and the enormity of what is about to happen has to be hitting him, sinking in. Cabot Roberts said this, Maturity is the ability to stay with the resolution long after the mood in which the resolution was made has left. And I think she's right. No doubt, Abraham had to be having second thoughts, did he not? I mean, all along the way, is there another way? But now is the moment of truth. Can't imagine him not having second thoughts. Satan surely had to be filling his minds with all kinds of doubt. What kind of God would ask you to do this? I thought God was a God of love. I thought God was a God of life. Why would he make this kind of sacrifice after giving you this promise and making you wait for so long? This can't be right. What kind of heartless God makes you choose choose killing your child? But Abraham, faithful Abraham, continues this long walk of obedience, continuing to trust Jehovah. Now, as a parent, we know and we joke sometimes that our children can be a pain. Do you ever make those jokes, parents? Most of us do. One guy was asked, he had a lot of kids, a lot of kids. And one guy was asked this question. If someone asked you if you would take a million dollars for one of those kids, would you take it? What would you say to the person who asked that? He thought for a second, he looked back and he said, I would say which one? <clears throat> yeah, that's a good answer, isn't it? Hopefully he was kidding. Once a group was studying this passage and they were talking about this situation and, and one father made this insightful comment. He said, many experts believe Isaac was 12 years old when he and Abraham traveled to Mount Moriah. After all, if he was a teenager, it wouldn't have been much of a sacrifice. <clears throat> I know, that's terrible, isn't it? We joke, we kid, we tease. The truth is, there's not a parent who wouldn't take a bullet for their kid. 
You'd rather be the one sick than them be sick. You'd be the rather, rather be the one to suffer than for them to suffer. That's part of being a parent. That's part of loving your child. But that's not what is happening in Genesis 22. In fact, it's just the opposite. The father has been asked by God to sacrifice his son, and now it's time. They've made the journey, and now it's time. I know this is just going down and down and down. I'm going to go ahead and just move that out of the way. How old is Isaac? Maybe 10? Maybe 12? The text doesn't tell us for sure. But even Isaac knows that something is missing. Look back at your Bibles in verses 6 through 8. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now, that, that phrase is so powerful to me. God himself will provide the lamb. See, at this point, Abraham believes that God has provided the sacrifice in the form of his son, Isaac. And this next section of Scripture is brief, but I want us to try to picture the intensity here. Let's look at your Bible, verse 9. When they reached the place where God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, again, we're familiar with this story. We know the story, so much so. I don't know that we allow just the, how bizarre this is to really sink in. If we were talking about anything else, about some person sacrificing their child to their God, we'd say that's not just that's bizarre, that's wrong. How could anybody believe in child sacrifice? That is so mixed up. But that's exactly what's going on here. That's what Abraham is about to do. But we have to remember in this, as Abraham is following through, Abraham knows God has kept every single promise. That is who God is. And that's what Abraham has experienced with God. He promised him descendants. And even though Abraham was a century old, his wife was 90, God still kept his promise, defying all odds. Now, granted... She was the only mother in the maternity wing on a walker. But he kept his promise. Years later, over in the New Testament, God reveals some insight about what Abraham was thinking. It's not in Genesis here, but in Hebrews 11, verse 17 through 19. Listen to these words. We find out what Abraham was thinking. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice he who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring would be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God would raise him from the dead, and figuratively, figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So that's the explanation. You want to know how Abraham could do this? That's how Abraham could do this. Abraham reasoned that God would raise him from the dead. Now, let that sink in for a moment. He's ready to commit, to go through with it, to take his son's life. He reasoned that God would raise him from the dead. You talk about faith, amazing faith, incredible faith. 
that he believed that God would bring back to life his one and only son. Also, add to that, Abraham had never seen a resurrection before. He didn't know about Lazarus, Jairus' daughter, about Jesus coming back from the grave. All those things hadn't happened yet. He, he had no precedent to go on. But Abraham processes this in his mind, and he chooses to obey, to trust in God. So how does a 110, 112-year-old man bind this young, energetic boy and place him on the altar? I know you've thought about that. Was there a struggle? Did Isaac put up a fight? Did Abraham trick his son? Did Isaac put two and two together and willingly climb up on that altar? We don't know. We have no idea. Look what the Bible says, verse 9. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. We don't know the details there. If God made him go to sleep, we, we don't know. Verse 10, Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Can you picture that? Can you imagine the moment? I want to help you try. I've got a video clip I want to show you. It's from Crown Financial Ministries. And I think it just helps capture the faith and the emotion of what's going on. Watch this. Father? Yes, my son. The fire and wood is here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? The Lord will provide himself a lamb. sacrifice my only son whom I love and I trust him to raise you from the dead why because he promised he promised
God did promise, and God always provides. I want to make three brief applications. If you've got a study guide and you want to fill in the blanks, the first one is this. God provides in His time. God provides in His time. You know, usually when we're dealing with a situation, we've already got the timetable figured out, and we ask God to honor what we expect or what we wish. We want something to happen the way we want it to happen, but it doesn't always happen that way, and we know that. God has its own, His own timetable. I'm sure Abraham would have liked to know how that was going to turn out before the journey even started, but he didn't. God waited until the last minute. And what we know is that that's not that unusual for God to wait to the last minute. From our human perspective, we think we know best. But our conclusions, our deductions are based on limited knowledge. And God knows it all and acts with eternity in mind, understanding all the implications. Here's a question. Can you pray and can you trust like Abraham did when you are in that season of waiting and you don't like the answers you're getting? Can you pray and can you trust like Abraham did when you're in that season of waiting and you don't like the answers that you're getting? Like maybe you're looking for a job and it's just not happening. Maybe you or somebody close to you gets that diagnosis that you've been dreading. Can you say, Lord, this is not what I wanted, but with your help, I'm going to lean on you and trust in you. i got a lot of questions, but help me to use this, however bad it is, to bring glory to you. Can you pray that way? 
Warren Wiersbe says this, when God permits his children to go through the furnace, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. The Bible says we're going to have trials. So we should expect them. They're inevitable. And you should expect ridicule and pl plenty of challenges. And what we know is we'll either be refined by that heat or we'll be burned. You either give in to the temptation or you rely on the Lord more because you passed the test. God provides, but He does so in His time. Number two, God provides, but He does it in His way. He does it in His way. He has a method to what is happening. I love verse 12. Look back at your Bible. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. I want you to see here the foreshadowing to the New Testament. When you make a commitment to follow Christ, Christ promises to never leave you, to never forsake you. And he'll provide you what you need, not necessarily what you want, not necessarily on your timetable. It's a journey of faith. But you'll be rewarded for your sincere expressions of trust and obedience. And it all comes back to relying on Him. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have the kind of trust that Abraham had here? That you would give up what is dearest to you, even when it makes no earthly sense. You know, I hate waiting rooms. I think everybody does. But especially in the hospital. I mentioned this in my Bible class this morning. I have seen total strangers who are going through a very scary time have an instant bond and even circle up and hold hands praying together because of what they're going through. It's a faith in God. It's a trust in Him. I don't know what your season of stress will be, no one can predict what it will be for you that you'll go through your time of trouble. How high the stakes will be. Maybe they won't be nearly as much as it was for Abraham, but I bet for you it'll be big. And your heart's going to be pounding. And your faith is going to be questioned. Maybe this week back at work, conversation turns to something spiritual. And you want to speak up, you want to say something, but if you do, you realize you kind of draw a line in the sand and maybe you'll subject yourself to ridicule or scrutiny. Could be maybe for you a Mount Moriah moment. Maybe things aren't going well and with money, it's the end of the year, you're thinking about budget and next year. So easy to cut a corner at work, do something that would help short term, but cost you your integrity. But can you instead choose to believe, to trust that God will provide? See, God provides in His time. He provides in His way. And then third, He provides for His purposes. Abraham obeyed God even when against everything that was within him. And God honored that. And Abraham explained this to his son Isaac, that God Himself will provide the lamb. Look, look in verse 13. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. This ram in the bushes at just the right moment. At just the right moment. Sounds just like God, doesn't it? God was 
writing this story. God made this happen. And that's how He works. Sometimes in our human thinking, like others who don't believe, we can tend to write those things off like coincidences. It just so happened, we will say. Just like those who don't believe. I'm about ready to throw it just so happened out the window and give God credit for working in those moments. I believe it was Heidi Quaid said it like this, coincidences are tiny miracles in which God chooses to remain anonymous. And we see God providing. And we look back and think, it's not the way I thought it was going to be. It's not the way I planned. not the way I envisioned. It may be unpredictable. It may be surprising. Sometimes at first we're not even sure where it comes from. And then it hits us. No matter where it comes from, we know that ultimately it's God working. Once God provided the ram, the place was renamed Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Look at verse 14. So Abraham came to the place called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So the story that happened then to us is just so timeless. And we think of Abraham as being a man of incredible faith and God as being a God who keeps his promise. Look at verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I want to make sure you get this. This is an important point. Rarely does God intervene in such a dramatic way. He does, but even in Scripture, it's not on every page, it's not on every chapter. There's multiple times where he does that, but it's not the norm. It's really the exception. But there is one truth across the board. God does his best work when everything seems hopeless. When everything is so dark, God himself will provide a lamb. When you think about that pure, spotless lamb, it's easy to make the transition. Think about what, for this last month especially, we've been thinking about the birth of Jesus. That baby who's born clean, pure, sinless, spotless. And as a baby, that child is not sinned and won't until that child learns what is right and wrong. So God left heaven and came to earth Divinity was clothed in humanity. Stooped to the lowest roof in Bethlehem, born to the peasant couple who also loved God and were faithful to Him even when it made no earthly sense. But here's what's unique. This baby grew up and remained pure, remained spotless. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we talked about this morning, that He was without sin even though he's tempted just like we are. From 9 o'clock in the morning to 3 in the afternoon, God darkened the sky. God made it happen. God provided the lamb. Some 2,000 years after Abraham said, God will provide a lamb, God did just that. 
God provided the lamb. See, the story of Abraham and Isaac is not about Abraham and Isaac. Do we get that? Your story, my story, it's not about us. It's about God working through us to teach somebody else God Himself will provide a lamb. Only this time it was God's own Son. And God didn't stop the soldiers. Jesus Himself didn't say a word so that it would be fulfilled in prophecy. As the lamb is silent before His shearers, He spoke not a word. Jesus became the lamb, the sacrifice. And it was His pure, innocent blood that covers all your sins and mine. See, God does His best work when it seems hopeless. He did it at Mount Moriah. He did it at Mount Calvary. On the cross, the perfect Lamb of God became the sin offering for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul wrote this, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God will provide a lamb and make a way. He's still the Lord who provides. His name is Jehovah Jireh. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we're familiar with this story. We've read it so many times. We've taught it so many times. But God, may we have faith like Abraham that causes us to say to you, because you promised, because you promised we will trust you. We will trust you when it's difficult. We will trust you when we feel like there's no hope. We will trust you when we feel like we're at the end of our rope. We will trust you, Lord, and know that you are at work. And we will know that you will do it in your way, in your time, and for your purposes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's not going to ask you to sacrifice your son. But he will ask you to put everything on the altar. Your desires, your struggles your idols, your temptations, your pride, your lust, everything. You give it up for Him. And He'll give you eternal life. We're going to stand and sing a song to encourage you. If you'd like to come to the Lord, have your sins washed away, we always have the water ready. Or if we can pray for you to have that kind of faith, that faith of Abraham, that trusts a God who provides, won't you come as we stand and sing?